Before Linda reads our script for today, or our, t- our scripture for today, I just wanted to say a few words also about the sermon. Um, you know, I'm trying to shift. I'm trying to grow. I am not just with risers, but I, you know, I've gotten some feedback that sometimes my sermons can feel more like an academic lecture, little research heavy, little heavy on the origins of words and so on. And, you know, that's okay sometimes, but somebody did say, I think, that they felt like they'd been to a TED Talk. (laughs) I don't know if that's a good thing, but I thought I'd try something a little different and lighten it up a little bit, especially since it's spring break, it's the first week after Easter, we're all, you know, we've all been busy, busy, busy. So today we're just going to keep it a little lighthearted while we look through the theology of cartoons. And now I will invite Linda to read. Thank you. I don't know how humorous Thomas thought this was, but (laughs) this is John chapter 20, verses 19 through 31. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his sides. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, the disciples were again in the house. And Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood with them and said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many signs in the presence of his disciples, which were not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. Holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. We all know that it began with the great I am, right? Hineni, which appears three times in scripture and means, uh, I don't know, but did we know that? Um, we go to that next slide. Did we know? Popeye also said... I am that I am. All right, maybe he didn't exactly say that. 
Bev corrected me on this. She's like, Laura, I'm pretty sure he said, I am what I am. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> okay, but the point is, we don't really know what that Hineni means, and I think that's okay. I think maybe that invites all of us to engage a little bit, uh, and maybe even to how, ask how God is speaking to us, to each of us, uh, because it is a bit of a mystery. And because sometimes I think God must feel like this. So Charlie Brown is going from person to person saying, believe in me, believe in me. And there's a little wistfulness, isn't there? Drat, you can hear him saying. I just can't get people to believe in me. And I think sometimes, I, I do, I think sometimes God must feel like that. Brad gave me... Um, a couple of cartoons, some of them didn't make the cut, but <laughs> but but one did, and we, we couldn't get it into a graphic to display, so I'll just tell you about it. It's two people, and they're walking together, and one of them is saying to the other, you mean you talk to God? And the other one's saying, well, no, I'm saying God talks to me. Um, it, it, and actually, he spends a lot of time talking to all of us, and pouring out his love over all of creation. And then in the last slide, he says, but the problem is nobody's listening. In fact, just between you and me, I think God can get a little lonely sometimes. And maybe this is partly why. We heard about doubting Thomas. I mean, I'm all for a little healthy skepticism, but I think this takes it too far. If you can't read this, I'll I'll read it for you. I don't believe. This is the International Society of Skeptics. I don't believe we've met. I don't believe you don't believe we've met. <laughs> and so I think, yeah, we, we can take it a little too far. I think there comes a time when we just have to surrender and open our hearts and try to hear how God is speaking to us. And maybe that's called prayer. Maybe that's called prayer. So Sabrina, our wonderful librarian who was here during first service um, and does the contemplative uh, group every Wednesday morning, she's a deeply spiritual, deeply prayerful woman, and she, as a true librarian, did some research and came up with these wonderful quotes on why why we pray. Why do we pray? To delight in real friendship with God and make sure we don't work on a wrong level all day. I think that if I don't start my day in prayer... I can be working on a wrong level for sure. To treat God as a father or a mother, to, as a parent, to let God know how it's going with us. I think maybe that's the place to start. And to allow the divine indwelling to gradually unfold in us to develop our spiritual senses. All wonderful reasons to pray. And I have an invitation to all of you I would love to have, to compile a booklet called Why We Pray. Have it in the hallway on the table there for anybody who just wants to come look and get some inspiration. If you have reasons that you pray that you'd like to share with me, send them to me, give them to me. I would be honored, and then I'll put them together. I think that would be a lovely thing. Of course, there's reasons not, or there's ways not to pray. I think this is how not to pray, one example. So Linus is talking to Charlie Brown. He's just gotten his history test back. I'm afraid to look at it, Charlie Brown. I hope I got a good grade. Oh, I hope, I hope, I hope. Please, please, please. 
Charlie Brown says to Linus, I think you should have done all that hoping and praying maybe before you studied for the test. And Linus says, hoping and praying should never be confused with studying. <laughs> Which is true, right? For the prayer, so not quite. So prayer without faith, or prayer without, can we go back? <laughs> One slide. At any rate, faith without works and prayer without hard work as well. Um, probably isn't going to get you quite there. Although sometimes it works mysteriously. So this one is another how not to pray. Um, Charlie Brown and Linus are standing in the pouring rain. Charlie Brown's getting ready to leave the baseball field. Rats! He says, every time you want to do something, it rains. Linus decides to give it a try. Rain, rain, go away. Come again some other day. And to his astonishment, it stops raining. He races into the house, closes the door, hide me. (laughs) Hide me. Uh, Yeah, this can go two ways, right? I mean, give God the credit. We can, but if we don't give God the credit, it can go two ways. We can either become arrogant, taking credit for God's wonderful working in our lives, Or I think maybe what Linus is experiencing. We can become afraid, thinking that we have this immense power that really it's not us, but it can keep us afraid from showing up in our own lives in the ways that God might be wanting us to show up. There's a quote from Marianne Williamson um, that some of you may be familiar with, and I think it really fits this, this slide. And she says, Our deepest fear is not that we're inadequate, Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure and that we're responsible for that. It's our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Well, actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. You're... Your playing small doesn't serve the world. There's nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. And it's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we give other people permission to do the same. I think that's the message that Jesus brings. As we are liberated from our own fear, just as the angels say, fear not, then our presence automatically liberates others. But Calvin, in the next slide, I think he's still working on his dark side. So he says, If heaven is good, and I like to be bad, how am I supposed to be happy there? (laughs) Then Hobbes looks at him and says, Well, how will you get to heaven in the first place if you like to be bad? And Calvin says, well, let's say I didn't do what I wanted to do. Suppose I led a blameless life. Suppose I denied my true dark nature. And Hobbes says, I'm not sure I have that much imagination. (laughs) Calvin says, maybe heaven is a place where you're supposed to be bad. I'm pretty sure he's not got that one right. (laughs) And I'm pretty sure he's missing something. Like that important step, you know, about being saved where Jesus shows us that some of the things we might have thought were good or or 
that we wanted to do really weren't all that good. And that once we understand that, uh, we actually do like being good. Maybe that's uh, what the quote from John 16 is, is pointing to. When the advocate comes, he will prove the world wrong about what they think is sin and righteousness and judgment. Well, Calvin is young yet. There's still hope. Um, here's another way. Yeah, here's temptation. <laughs> this is one of my favorites of all time. Oh! <laughs> and sometimes all that's between us and the temptations is just a thin pane of glass, and I call that prayer. <laughs> oh! <laughs> Every cat person can relate to this. Right? Um, yeah, along the way, the devil sure does tempt us, which is why I like the next slide so much. So here's a, a guy in, in that other place, and the, and the devils are looking at him going, you know, we're just not reaching this guy. <laughs> and I suppose you could interpret the, that as that he's not repenting for his sins and he's not getting the punishment, but I like to take a different spin on it. I like to take a different spin on it. Maybe this guy is clueless, or maybe he's just impervious to the devil's power. Yes, that's what I like to think. The devil just isn't reaching him. He's my hero. Yeah. Um, I mean, Jesus did go down to hell on our behalf, right? But we do have to be vigilant. We do. Um... Just like the verse from Habakkuk, I will climb up to my watchtower and stand at my guard post. And here's Snoopy, the famous guard dog. So it says the world-famous watchdog is ever alert. He jumps down from his doghouse roof, and he goes to Sally's window and says, Woof. That's all right, says Sally. Everything's fine. Thank you. And he goes to Charlie Brown's window. Woof. That's okay, Snoopy, says Charlie Brown. Everything's okay. You're a good watchdog. Go back to sleep, (sighs) says Snoopy. You try to warn them that the world has gone mad, but they just won't listen. (laughs) Poor Snoopy. No one understands. On the other hand, we do need something to hang on to, I think. So Charlie Brown's talking to Linus. So you think the world's getting better? Well, if you've got so much confidence in the world getting better, how come you hang on to that blanket? Touche. <laughs> I think we can be forgiven for a few security blankets. Um, yeah. And this one is this one is probably one of the classics. So Linus and Lucy are looking at the rain pouring out down outside, and Lucy's saying, boy, look at it rain. What if it floods the whole world? Linus, ever the theologian, says it will never do that. In the ninth chapter of Genesis, God promised Noah that would never happen again, and the sign of the promise is the rainbow. And Lucy, you've taken a great load off my mind. Lucy doesn't usually talk like that. Linus says, yep, sound theology has a way of doing that. But I think it's also important when we're sharing our theological perspective that we take a considered approach. Here's uh, Sally talking to Linus after school. I would have made a good evangelist. You know that kid who sits behind me at school? 
I convinced him that my religion's better than his religion. Linus says, well, how'd you do that? I hit him with my lunchbox. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But when all else fails, simple acts of kindness really do make a difference. We heard a, we heard a wonderful sermon from Shalom Agtarap, who visited about a month ago, on simple acts of kindness. And at first, I think this doesn't quite make sense, but it's a lovely comic. So uh, I don't know if he's a raccoon or a squirrel or what. He's sitting by the curb. Dark cloud over his head. And up comes a raccoon. You look sad. Here, have a piece of blue string. And then in the last slide, he says, huh, the interesting thing is, I actually do feel better. Sometimes it's just the gesture, right? Even if we don't have anything in our hands, just reaching out with words of comfort. Although words of comfort alone might not always be enough. Uh, so these are this is one of the earliest Snoopy uh, or Peanut strips, and Charlie Brown and I think it's Schroeder. Snoopy's shivering in the snow. Oh, Snoopy looks kind of cold, doesn't he? Gee, I'll say he does. Maybe we better go over and comfort him. Be of good cheer, Snoopy. Yes, be of good cheer. <laughs> Where's my blanket? You know, hey, did you invite me in from the cold? I actually think the blankets and the coats and the food and the inviting in from the cold are something that Aldersgate gets and does very well. Uh, now this, so this last cartoon. It actually started out as the first one because <laughs> I don't know why this reminded me of my son. I'm not getting it, but so so <laughs> so. But it ended up being the last one, and I'll tell you why in a minute. So here's Calvin nailing nails into the coffee table. Whack, 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 whack. And it's, you know, every parent in this room, every person who's ever babysat a kid gets I'm, my hair is now on fire. What? Is this some sort of a trick question? (laughs) I'm nailing nails into the coffee table, Mom. I thought that would have been obvious to you. But the reason I put it at the end is because there we have the nails in the wood, and you just can't get away from that, can you? Um, and, And that's why we need parents and teachers and Sunday school teachers and faith communities uh, to say to each other when we're kind of on the wrong track, what are you doing? What are you doing? Um, Think about Think about it. And that's what Jesus also, that's Jesus' call to us is, is to wake up, to wake up to the reality of what is sin and what is goodness and to open ourselves through prayer and simple acts of kindness and the way we live and interact with each other to the movement of grace in our lives. And yet, even on the cross, he said those words. He said they don't know what they're doing, but he said, forgive them. And we heard it in the text today. Those who you forgive, the movement of the Holy Spirit will enable you to forgive. And I think that's, I I still have a hard time getting to how on the cross, just because they didn't know what they were doing, Jesus could say, forgive them. But he also said, 
if they had known what they were doing, if they had been awakened, they would, and we heard this text on Good Friday, they would have been fighting to keep Jesus from being taken away, from being handed over. But I guess, I guess if that would have happened, we never would have had Easter.